Yes, it is time for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today brought to you by V's Flowers and Garden Shop, everything you need for gardening success on Main Street in Waitsfield. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby, sticksandstuff.com. By P&R Lumber, a family-owned lumber mill with lumber, mulch, and compost. Route 15 in Wolcott. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating over 120 years of family ownership. By Poly Construction, Gregory Drive, South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menards, family owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. And by the Kate Farm, where their plant sale is underway. And by Clausen's Florist, Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you on Main Street in Colchester. Your telephone calls are welcome. Right now, let's join our host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. <laughs> hey, Joel. Hello. So, uh, uh, I just heard the news that we might have another frost tonight. Ouch. <laughs> so, I think what I was saying last week about hanging on there, wait a minute, don't plant those tomato plants yet, uh, it, it definitely uh, applies to so, well, one uh, way to... anyway, if, if you've already planted them, you want to make sure that you uh, can cover them. Yeah, I was at East Montpelier at the uh, at the North Branch Nature Center, my first visit. And, of course, when oh, I'm yeah. there, when I'm there, uh, Chip Armstead, he's off, off in the Midwest with his family, as we just heard. But, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. They, have, they have their little community garden there. Everything was covered. And in Colchester, yep. I just figured out, well, it's going to be about 42 degrees. And uh, yep. so I'm, I'm letting nature harden them. I just hope they don't yeah. harden them <laughs> like the putting them belt. in the freezer, yep. you know. <laughs> so. Yeah, over over there by the by the lake, you, you get a couple extra weeks that we don't get in the in in central Vermont. But <laughs> so, oh boy, what a week, huh? So yeah, um, are you are you planting? Did you get some plants in? I have. Well, I have all uh, my to- all my tomato plants in, and I uh, planted some sunflower and uh, morning glory, and I'm going to put all the beans in tomorrow. So, oh, okay, great beans. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, we planted uh, uh, our potatoes, and we had uh, quite a variety of potatoes. You know, we had the the sun, the the rose gold, the, the early potatoes that we usually harvest in in August, and then some of the um, uh, Canabec. It's a, a version of the Canabec called the Elba, and um, it's supposed to have uh, keep just a little bit longer than the Canabec, but. Anyway, it's another beautiful, big, white potato. 
And then we did a few other version, you know, uh, varieties like a, um, uh, the Adirondack, which is a red potato that actually has red streaks in the meat. So it's really pretty when you serve it on a plate or do it in a stir fry. So that's that's going in. And then other than that, everything else is just ready to go. Um, and I'll probably will wait till next week to weekend to to do the tomatoes and all that other stuff. So um, the uh, 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 there's absolutely no reason not to plant all of your uh, lettuces again. Remember this week you want to just keep planting a, a square or two or three of your lettuce seeds. Go ahead and plant. I think you can still plant your radishes. It's still cool enough that we'll, we'll have good radishes. And, of course, your spinaches, it's still cool enough. And then you can start on, um, you know, the tot soy. That, that's what they call the Chinese spinach. Uh, um, and then all of your lettuces and stuff, uh, uh, the mescal mixes, certainly the mustard mixes. And those are all, all can be put in. And in the, we're trying um, artichokes this year. We're going to give those a, a shot. And then, of course, we're planting our parsley. And then, just like you, we'll be doing our beans probably next weekend because with, with the potatoes and all the rest, it's, it's enough. But next weekend, we'll, we do, we'll be doing beans. Peas are up and growing very nicely. They're probably about 10 inches tall. And uh, um, I have a couple of couple of trellises for those. Do you plant peas, Joel? Oh yeah, I do, and uh, I always make a point of planting those as early as I can. Yeah, they're in, mm-hmm. and uh, so that I can do the second planting of those wandos, those heat, uh, the ones that don't mind yeah. the heat, so I get a second planting. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to go. Anytime you get a second planting, you're just you're doubling the productivity productivity from of your the space you're using, and that's such a a great way to garden is to is to plan out not just one garden that starts on Memorial Day and stops on Labor Day. It's to plant you know three gardens: one that uh, as as soon as the the ground can be worked, one for Memorial Day and, and mid-season uh, in July, I plant yep. my uh, Chinese cabbage and my uh, daikon radishes for kimchi. And then uh, in August, we start to plant uh, more carrots and things that will go on into the into the fall. And um, that... Uh, that really helps the, the productivity. And one thing I was mentioning um, uh, is that you, if you have a lot of problems with powdery mildew um, on your on your uh, cucumbers and your zucchinis, you can actually uh, do a second planting uh, in June, when like June fifteenth or so, and you'll get a, a whole new crop from them. So by the time your your other uh, cukes and zooks start to to die back from that. These ones will be coming along and fill in for you. So that's something to keep is to consider is that you know it's not just one planting in, in on Memorial Day, but it's a series of plantings right on through the season. So um, let's see what else are we planting. Um, we're going to try a little uh, celeriac this year and see if we can't 
keep a, a five gallon bucket of those in the in the root cellar. And uh I I like celeriac. Um it's not as celery as much celery flavor as I would I would hope to get, but it's still it's still good for the soups and stuff that we do celery in. And it's certainly a, a good keeper and should keep right in up until January or so. So it's um, it's worth it, along with the carrots and uh, oh, you know, beets and and all those other mm, keepers that you you want to have uh, in your root cellar. The idea is to um, grow enough that you can um, you can keep stuff in this root cellar right on through to when you start producing again in in April, and uh, that can be a challenge, but you know it's only it's only part of the the storage uh the storage story is that you want to go ahead and can some of the stuff you do freeze some of the stuff to do put some of the stuff in cold storage and then uh some of it um uh you want to ferment like your pickles and your kimchi and um then we use a lot to use a freezer for both our tomatoes and our um you know beans and a lot of different things it's so that sort of fills out for the rest of the season when your fresh stuff in the in the cold cellar starts to go. Then you've got your canned stuff and your frozen stuff to rely on. And uh, we we try to have enough uh, pesto frozen in uh, that'll last us right up through the season from August to August, September to September. <laughs> got to have that pesto. So. How's your rhubarb? Is it coming? Joe? Well, it's uh, very anemic this year for the first time, so uh, I might okay. uh, plant well, a second uh, patch somewhere, you know, for future years. All right. Yeah. Well, I should be uh, I should be able to bring you some next week. Oh. I should be able to bring a nice big bundle. Oh, so. much appreciated. <laughs> yeah. First year this has happened. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, after t- about 20 years of ignoring it, for the most part, occasionally a fertilizer, <laughs> occasionally do a little work around the patch to, uh, you know, isolate yeah. it more. It finally said, uh, enough, enough of your, you know, <laughs> en- 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 enough of your not paying attention to our needs. And so we're just going to, you know. Was there a little face on the leaf that said, yeah. yeah, so you see you're fertilizing everything else, you're weeding everything else, and just ignoring us until you eat us. You know, I mean, I do imagine that's what well, they're saying. They have to be doing something out there. <laughs> I suspect that's what it is. Well, uh, I think we, we talked to somebody last week who was, it's so easy to sort of... Um, Ignore the the producers like that, like the the rhubarb and the asparagus, because they just keep coming up every year. You don't even think, well, you know, at some point that soil is going to be depleted, and you know, you should really be putting a, a layer of good compost at least, and then a, a couple springs of of uh, fish emulsion just to to keep them well fed and mm-hmm. well nourished, because they'll, they'll draw that all down into the roots where the where they, you know, they store the nutrients to to make those spears the next year, mm-hmm. and so that's you could even even put some of the, uh, uh, you know, the ProGrow, some fertilizer on on those beds as well, and that, that would help. 
And the yeah. same thing that I mentioned on all the other bits, the azomite, the, the fertilizer, and uh, even the lime and certainly the sea kelp. You could add those to those bits uh, of rhubarb and, and uh, um, asparagus. Well, we do have a phone call. I was going to add that uh, oh. when you were on earlier this week with Rick talking about a yeah. soil test, if you haven't done that yeah. for a while, that uh, that could provide a whole bunch of answers. But we do have a caller on the line. So okay, I'm let's going take to... the call, and then we'll talk soil test. Okay, okay I'm okay. going to push a button. <laughs> This, this is I'm trying, a, I'm trying a new approach, which is never never a smart thing to do. Oh, you know, it's, you know, it's like my le- learning to fly a plane while you're up in the air. Here we go. So I push that button, and oh, it's working. You're you're on the air. Your first name in town. You're on the air with Peter. Hey, good afternoon. Good job pushing the button. Uh, my name is Phil from Berlin. Phil from so, Berlin, welcome. Uh, Hey, Peter, I have a problem. Not a problem, but our asparagus patch has been producing, but nowhere near as it has in the past. And uh-huh. a couple of things. I'm wondering if it's due to the drought last summer. Yeah. And it's I'm also wondering, because we've, we've loaded the compost on it. You know, we've got it's our third-year bed, mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. not producing. And then some of the shoots that come up, are curling a little bit and they're yellow and they're soft. Oh, you know, they're yeah. not hard and yep. green. Yep. So, so I don't know what's going on with that. So, well, you know, you've got the right approach. Is uh, you know definitely feeding them, and uh, three years is really not too long to establish a bed. Um, from from here on, you should be getting those thumb size. Uh, spears, but in the first few years, even up to year, you know, you might get one the size of your little finger. You know, that's that's fairly common. Yeah. Uh, in the beginning, until those those um, you know the the crowns have a chance to establish. But you've got right. a, a problem with the asparagus beetle. That's what's causing the curling. So you're going to have to okay. start spraying. Uh, uh, use the Captain Jack's uh, spinosad, some form of spinosad. Right. Um, and you're going to have to start spraying, and you should keep that up. Uh, I think it's every seven days or seven to fourteen days. You're right in there, and you want to keep that uh, up right on through the season. To to because what happens with with the um, asparagus beetle is it 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 will. It has a number of different hatches. You know, it'll it'll keep hatching right through the season. So even okay. if you go ahead and treat it once for one set of of beetles, there'll be another one coming along in a, in three or four weeks. So you want to make sure that you just keep keep that um, spray routine uh, right up through the season until um, you know until the uh, the end of the season, until it starts to, until the end of August or so. And yeah, we usually cut the. Uh, we usually cut for about four four weeks or so, and then we let everything go after that. Yep, yep. And, and uh, we were, um, if you wanted to, you can cut half of your half of your bed uh, for those four weeks and let the other part grow up, and then sometime in July cut those down, and you'll have another round of spears from from those. And that'll that no. kind of lengthens your harvest, but if you're not getting okay. as much as you want, you know, then you can you can you know 
go ahead and harvest all of your stuff and and let it go for the season. But if you if you have if you want to extend your season a little bit, you can use that technique. And wow, you know, that, okay, that may may be to your advantage. Um, once the the ferns are up, once they've grown up and they fern out, then you can see those um, asparagus beetles a lot better because uh, you'll either see the little red bug or you'll see the, mm-hmm. the gooey larva uh, stuck up in the ferns. And mm-hmm. um, you know, one so way or the other, that that's what's causing the curl. So the red bug the is the same as the red berries, huh? <laughs> They're very similar. <laughs> yeah, I think okay. you, you'll be able to tell the difference, though. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Hey, I had one other item on the celeriac. Yeah. Uh, my suggestion for people growing it is I use uh, about half celeriac and half potato to make mashed potatoes. Ooh. Ooh, that's incredible. Good. I like that. I yeah, like yeah, it's no, a really had, nice way to use your I've, celeriac. Yeah, one of my neighbors uh, uh, grew those gillfeather um, rutabagas, and he made mashed rutabaga, which which really was almost exactly like regular old mashed potatoes, except it was actually a little creamier. And uh, yeah, it was it was surprisingly delicious. But that sounds like a, a great combination. I like that. And uh, yeah, the rutabaga, my, the rutabaga. I guess there's a delay here. The rutabaga we love with a generous amount of sour cream and a lot of pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that sounds good. That sounds really good, yeah. actually. <laughs> Nothing yeah, like yeah. that in the fall, aside a little piece of meat, you know, a little protein for you there. <laughs> <laughs> sounds Hey, you know, that's it. Meat potatoes, pretty much a staple. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for the advice. Yeah, sure. Good luck. Uh, let me know how it goes. All right. All right, Phil. So, Joel. I think we should take a break right now and then come back to okay. uh, the uh, your next topic, okay? We're okay, WDEV. Thanks. It's in the garden with Peter Burke. Dandelion Acres is a beautiful garden center in central Vermont where you can find gorgeous flowering hanging baskets, annuals, perennials, trees, and shrubs. They also have an extensive selection of vegetables, fruit trees, and berry bushes and can also offer helpful advice to make your growing season a success. There's pottery, garden furniture, statuary, and decor from the whimsical to the sublime. Dandelion Acres Garden Center is in Bethel, Vermont. Go to dandelionacres.com for current operating hours and COVID caveats. And once again, here's Peter Burke. <laughs> hey, Joel. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you you uh, you heard uh, me and Rick talking about the garden. Yeah, and uh, some really good advice there. You know, <laughs> as a listener this time, <laughs> instead of the button pusher. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Haven't you always wanted to come? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so um, yeah, one of the the things we were talking about was. Um, uh, sort of my uh, late discovery of how important it is to do a soil test. And I, I know how easy it is to just sort of ignore it and, and uh, say, just give me some more compost, the Samoa method, some more compost. Um, and yet uh, I was uh, literally 
shocked, surprised, very surprised that that uh, I had uh, uh, a severe deficiency in in the element uh, sulfur, and then the potassium, which is sort of the NPK part of it. Um, the potassium is the K, and and uh, I was really surprised that um, I, I was so low on uh, nitrogen too, and I would never have known that having. Um, uh, just going, you know, with the more compost uh, idea. And uh, there was, I read a book called uh, The Intelligent Gardener by Steve Solomon. And that's kind of what's what um, spurred on, you know, this curiosity about the soil test. And um, I think I mentioned before, I just got lucky in November when we had that little bit of a fall around Thanksgiving. I could get out and get soil. So I was able to do my soil test over the winter. And, um, you know, he, the Logan Labs where I went actually has a service where you can talk to an agronomist and he'll look at what the results of your soil test and say, well, you know, um, so this is what you need to add from, you know, and that I found really helpful because the soil test is a little bit confusing. You know, you can see what the levels of so sulfur and nitrogen and potassium and phosphorus and, and even uh, a lot of your trace minerals like, you know, copper and, and uh, magnesium, mang- manganese, uh, uh, boron, you know, you can see all those things, but what does it mean? How, what does that mean? And so when I talked to the agronomist, a guy uh, named uh, Bill McKibben, and, and not related to our Bill McKibben, but uh, he is William the Crop Doc uh, McKibben, and he's written a book about uh, you know, the soil test and stuff as well. And I, I was reading that one, but the, the upshot was, uh, for my, I have about, um, a thousand square feet of, of bed and, uh, I needed as much as 10 pounds of sulfur. And that again, that surprised me. And then uh, almost the same amount of, a, of a good nitrogen source, and uh, potassium, and then they actually broke down where you can, what sources you can use, the elemental sources you can use. And they're all, uh, of course, approved for organic uh, farming and gardening. And, uh, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm very hopeful that it makes for um, uh, a little bit better garden because, uh, you know, I've had little problems with, with some of my uh, cabbage plants. And uh, uh, so I, I was kind of wondering what was going on there. But uh, that was the truth came out that I was really low in sulfur. Boy, very, very, and, very uh, interesting. As, yeah. Yeah, yeah and good advice. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm actually going to use that Logan Lab myself. We have a caller on the air, so let us go oh, to a Jim in, in Waitsfield who's, uh, patiently on the line with us. All right, great. Hello. Hi, Peter. How Hello. are you doing? Hey. Hey, Jim. So, I have, this is a, this is a planning question. Um, yeah. I used to put my squash, I used to put my squash outside of my, my dear, my fencing my deer fencing, but our our dog who used to do morning and evening patrols and kept the deer away by peeing on everything, um, yep. has, he's gone, and so I moved, the, I moved my squash inside the fence last year, 
And you know, yeah, it grew, it grew pretty well. It didn't have as many mounts, but um, the, the vines started to overtake everything. So my question is, for planting my as I'm as I'm starting to plant here, I haven't got much in at this point because it's been too cold. Yeah. But um, yeah. can you can you trim back um, squash vines after a while when they start getting to be oh, eight sure. and twelve feet long? Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And matter of fact. Um, if uh, with melons, it, it, that's a very common practice of turning it back even to as little as one blossom, one fruit. Oh, really? So okay. you get a nice okay. big fruit. So you, absolutely, that's a it's a good plan to trim them back, and it doesn't affect the plant at all. The other okay. thing you might, um, yeah, uh, when you say squash, you're talking about. Uh, yeah, winter squash, acorn, well, zucchini and yellow squash, acorn, um, what's the red curry, and what else do I plant? Butternut. Yeah, okay, yeah. butternut, yeah. So um, let's start with the, the zucchini and the, the yellow squash. Those, you actually can grow those up on a trellis. Um, oh, okay. Uh, there's uh, one variety of zucchini that really loves a trellis, and that's that... Um, it's called trombone zucchini, and it goes out there. Some Italian names, but uh, yeah, no, I don't have that. I think I, had, I think I actually bought Space Saver up at Fun Drops. I think that's what it's called. Yeah, space Saver. Yeah, and uh, so that hopes that it's, it'll save space. I guess. <laughs> well, it will save space for you, and uh, that I grow about three three plants on a four foot trellis. Oh, okay. that'll go right to the top of a right to the top of an eight foot trellis, and then you can start trimming it back. Oh, okay, okay. And, and uh, there there will be lots and lots of blossoms, lots and lots of fruits. It's very productive. It'll grow twenty inches long and still only be about an inch and a half around. Oh, so it's okay. um, you can it it's very productive that way. What's the name of that again? Uh, trombone zucchini. Trombone, um, okay, okay. Yeah, because oh, it's long and curved. Up, um, I, I, uh, I don't think high mowing or Johnny's has it. Um, I've got mine from the uh, pine tree uh, over in uh, Maine, and then uh, I think Baker uh, Bakersfield also has that. And you'll have to you'll have to look for a source of it if you're using yeah, Johnny's yeah. from high mowing. Okay. And then the um, the other thing you could do um, is to look for um, the the bush varieties of your winter squashes. A, a lot of them have uh, bush varieties, um, so that you can grow it just in a in a in a hill in a mound of small space. Right. And then the, the other thing that I do sometimes is I'll actually plant them in front of the trellis, let them fill out the bed, and then start to train them up the trellis in the front in the front of the trellis. Oh, okay. And, and that will do the same thing like the trombones. It, can, it saves a, a lot of space. But it's more than that. It saves space. It also um, makes it easier to pick, makes it easier right. to makes find Right, makes it easier them. to find them, yeah, and, and for your cukes, um, on that same uh, four-foot trellis, I actually plant eight cucumber plants. So, Say that again? Uh, one, eight cucumber plants in one oh, okay. four-foot trellis. And the, okay. so it's, it's a very, very productive um, 
uh, a way to grow uh, cucumbers. Okay, okay. Yeah. And then the other ones, even your winter squashes, uh, I've grown them up on, a, on trellises as well, and it, they compensate by having a much thicker stem, you know, where your stem will usually run about an inch, maybe yeah. a little larger. The stem on those would be more like inch and a half. So okay. that they, you know, they they really hang on. <laughs> yeah. So you could yeah. you could use those methods to plant inside the your fencing. Okay. 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 Yeah, I've gotten that. I've gotten like a eight. I guess it's a ten foot deer fence. It's it's worked well. But, um, oh goodness, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would hope so. Oh, one one year one year I was. Early in the morning, I was looking out on at the, at the garden, and at that point, I think I had like a six foot fence, and I thought, oh, nobody's going to jump that. And there was a deer standing there, and the deer just like took him two steps, and he looked like an Olympic hurdler. He just went right over, <laughs> oh and he was in. Anyway. Oh, I'd love so, to see that. <laughs> so I've heard you describe how you make your your trellises. Is there any place? Is there any place online I can look at a picture of them? Um. Um, if you look up square foot gardening and trellis, there's a couple examples there. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and uh, you know, uh, uh, my email. Uh, you can, if you email to me, you can. I'll, I can send you pictures from my garden. Oh, okay. But okay. the um, and your email is uh, what? Square foot gardening. If you look up uh, online, there's a there's a good website there, and they they detail that. And then okay. of course you can. You can go to the library and get the Square Foot Garden book. Oh, okay. And, okay. and that does a pretty that does a real good job of it. But essentially, it's just the half inch uh, conduit, you know, electrical conduit. Yeah. And um, I have three or four different varieties, three different varieties that, that I do. You know, one is I just take two ten foot uh, pieces and and bend them. I use a pipe bender. Right. Yeah. No. I know you talked about so that they're you know there's 23 inches and I just use one coupling in the middle of that. Okay. Yeah. So the 23 inches gives me 46 inches, so it fits inside my four foot bed. And then I bury about 18 inches of that, and it, so it makes about a, a six foot trellis. Yeah. And and that's that's very inexpensive. The two pipes would be ten bucks. The the uh, coupling is about seventy-five cents, and then you're you're in. You know, you, you know, I I use a spud bar to to sort of dig the hole down eighteen inches, so it's a nice clear shot, and I can yeah. get it you know easily yeah. leveled, and then just you know fill in and and tamp it down, and it'll hold uh, it'll hold anything you put on it, right. squashes or otherwise. And then what do you put on for the wire? I use uh, the two by three fencing, just regular two by three fencing. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, you can use the I've used the uh, the green vinyl stuff. And um, if you if you use the the one I just described, you'll need uh, two pieces of three foot. And I cut them off a couple inches longer than the trellis, and then okay. I just squeeze them. I, I don't yeah. I don't have to tie them up or anything. You just squeeze them. So and, the green vinyl um, that's like that. That's like that snow fence. Is that what you're talking about? The green vinyl. Uh, it's yeah. It's it's a it's a regular old fencing. You can get yeah. it right at Eggware or Blue Steel, yeah. um, or you can use the galvanized stuff if you prefer. Yeah. 
Um, those trellis that I've had, uh, I first started in 1981 with my square foot gardening, and I've used them ever since. So they're they're very very long lasting. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and they are the least expensive, most long lasting trellis. Uh, um, the only the other variety that I have, I actually use a, a piece of rebar, and I you know pound that into the ground, and then I I slip. Uh, uh, a five foot piece, you know, that's the the ten foot. They come in ten foot lengths. I cut it in half. I slip the five foot piece, and then I take another five foot uh, piece and I bend that so it joins, you know, joins the two five foot pieces. So it comes up about, you know, almost six foot. Yeah. But of late, and I think I've described this a few times, I actually put a a two foot spacer in there, so it goes all the way up to almost eight foot. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and, and uh, I've added that uh, two-foot spacer in between uh, the the five-foot piece that slips down over the rebar, and, you know, I have two of those. And then, uh, then I have a coupling on the top of each one of those. And then there's the bent piece that goes in. That's about five, six feet. And then... In the case, uh, I've added the, uh, just a two-foot piece of straight pipe and then put the bent piece on top of that. So that, yeah. that uh, you'll need a four-foot wire instead of three-foot wire. Right. Yeah, okay. So, okay. You know, when you when yeah. you buy your wire, uh, you know, you'll need the, the, the four-foot. And that works for everything. I put my tomatoes on that. I put my tomatillas on it. Okay. I grow my okay. zucchini and my cucumbers up that. Um, you know, everything that I grow on a trellis goes on that. And and uh, it uh, it lasts year after year after year. So it's a, it's a really great, great okay. trellis okay. to use. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Good. Okay. Well, thank you. Have a good, have a good yeah. season. Yeah, thanks. Let me know how it goes. I'm interested in okay. <laughs> how okay. you do with the, your squashes. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. Okay, thanks. For the call. thanks. Peter, we have uh, Betty in Waitsfield on the line for you. Oh, great. Hey, Betty, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. Um, I have Annabelle hydrangeas. Okay. And we've had them... Um, for 10 years or so and never had a problem. Yeah. And I got some right. hydrangeas, some more Annabelle's from someone else. And all of a sudden we have these, I call them rollers. I don't know what they're really called, but they knit the leaves together. And my understanding is that these little worms come out of the soil. So then I rip open the leaves and I try to push the darn little caterpillars. Um, but how do I get rid of them? Well, uh, can you identify what you got in there in the rollers when you when you unroll them? Is it a, a little gooey worm or is it a, a bug or? It is. It's a little green worm with a black head. With a black head. Okay. So kind of lace um, the, the leaves together. Yeah. Yeah. So the the the. What have you tried? Have you tried just uh, picking them off, or have you tried spraying them? Or I've tried neem oil and um, and ripping them open. You know, I pull yeah, them up and okay. I push the bus. 
And and then they they still keep coming back. Is that what you're saying? They do. And the little buggers, I mean, I have 20 of these, and there'll be 100 of them on a plant. Wow. That's quite the infestation. It's crazy. (laughs) And so So I go through, you know, at night after work, and then the next day there'll be new ones. Wow, wow, wow. Where are they coming from? That's amazing. Yeah. Um, So... uh, But you don't see a butterfly or anything like that coming to land on the bush, right? No, I did. I mean, I did research on Google, and um, it says that it's a specific type of moth. But I don't know how to stop the moth. And I, I mean, I never had these until I got these plants from someone else. Yeah. Well, you know, everything in the garden is cyclical. You know, you, you'll have them uh, this year. Probably if you do absolutely nothing, you wouldn't have them next year, but you could. So it's a good idea to kind of try to figure out where they're coming from. Uh, what I assume is that the moth has already come and gone and laid eggs. And what you're seeing is just a, a series of hatches that, that are eggs that are already on the trend. So you want to... It's sort of like with uh, with a potato beetle. If you turn the leaf over, you'll see the the orange egg hatches. And if you yep. can turn the leaves over and take a look and see if you see any white or gray or even you know red uh, uh, little hatches going on there, that that might at least slow it down a little bit. Um, but uh, so what you want to do is a couple of things. Um, you want to uh, dig up around the bottom of the of the, the soil of the um, of the the bush. Plant. Dig we, up around. We there. did that this year. And yep. What's that? We had these bugs last year for the first time. So this spring yep. we dug up the soil all around. We took I don't know yep. how many. Um, bushels of soil away. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, but now I'm feeling that, vengeful. Yes, of course, and that that's perfectly natural. <laughs> I don't blame you one yeah. bit. <laughs> this is my bush. <laughs> Go find someplace else. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I would say, you know, so it, make sure you put some some uh, fresh mulch down there and make it as thick as you can do. Uh, I would probably recommend a cedar mulch um, because the cedar mulch is sort of a natural repellent for moths. And then... Oh, um, brilliant. Good idea. Okay, yeah. And then uh, I probably would go ahead and get the spinosad, you know, the Captain Jack spinosad, and and that will probably do a better job of, of killing the bugs. What's that? What is it called? Captain Jack's what? Uh, uh, dead bug. <laughs> but the ingredient in it that you want is called spinosad. It's like a, it's like thergicide. It's, it's something that in there that makes the bugs sick. And you could just okay. start spraying it and spraying it regularly for, for um, you know, every week for a little while until all of the bugs, the cycle of, is sort of, you know, it's, it's at its end. And you just keep, keep spraying those uh, every, every week or so until all of them are gone. 
And then okay. in the spring, in the spring, you want to watch for when you first see those moths coming. And you may not. Um, and if, if just to be on the safe side, come, you know, April 15th, when they probably first come out, you want to start spraying again then. And then that may that may just uh, cut the cycle, so you won't see them anymore for a while. Um, it could okay. be too the that look around. Uh, go ahead. What, yeah, what was it? You just said dead bug. That's the one. And the ingredient okay. is spinosad. Okay, I'm on. Okay, it. so you can do that, and then. What I want you to do is I want to look around the yard to see if they're also on some other something else, more or less. Is this really just spreading from some other place that you didn't, you know, that maybe isn't uh, uh, one of your special plants? So take a look around and see if there isn't another spot where they're doing the same thing. And that way, you know, it, 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 you may find that that's really what's seeding the whole thing, is there's a, you know, a natural wild bush out there that's that's been infested too. So if you can work your way back, to, um, then you could probably stop the, the infestation. Okay. Great, thank you. Okay for okay for now. And then the the last thing is that you can get these yellow sticky uh, panels that that the moths come to and they stick to because they like the yellow. And uh, it's it's sort of a you see an awful lot of dead moths in the process, so that you may not want to do it, but it will help to to uh, cut down the number of of moths that uh, can lay eggs over that you know in the in in the early part of the season when they first come out. <laughs> and do I put those close to these plants or far yeah, away? You put them close by. Yeah, you put them close by so okay. that as they they come to the bush, you know, they'll they'll stop by at that yellow and and get stuck. So <laughs> okay. uh, that sh- that should work and should do the trick for you, and, uh, and then you have your hydrangeas back. <laughs> Great, and it's only my Annabelle hydrangeas, not my peaches. Isn't that funny? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. it's like a cabbage okay. moth, you know. He only affects the cabbages. And this is, you found one that likes your, your Annabelle hydrangeas. <laughs> right. So. Okay, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Let me know how it goes. Okay, thanks. All right. Hey, Peter, in my, in my uh, bug book here, it refers, yeah. to, it refers to these guys as leaf tear caterpillars. Oh, there you go. Leaf tear as in like T-E-A-R tear? No, T-I-E-R. Oh. You have a picture oh. of, well, I have a picture of a green caterpillar with a black head. With and, a black head. Yeah. Yep, and it's, uh, <laughs> and they are, they're, in terms of their actual, um, you know, phylogenetic name or whatever, Olethrutus ferrofarana, but leaf tier caterpillars <laughs> to uh, us mortals. And, uh, I hope you're not going to test me, bro. <laughs> and, they're a pe- and they are a pest. They say it's uh, because they are between the leaves, it's really hard to yeah. get any pesticide on them. So uh, removing them by yeah. hand, as uh, as Betty had been indicating, uh, when you first see them, is not a bad idea if you can get to them Not early. a bad idea, yeah. 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 
move them by hand, but, uh, you know, that's why I was saying you probably want to do that, uh, the spray, you want to do it, uh, repeatedly because, right. you know, they're going to, yeah, yeah, they're going to just keep coming for a little while. And sadly, they say that these leaf tier caterpillars love hydrangeas, and I think that's what the. No uh, kidding. That's the funny. Yum, yum. Oh, dear. It's not, nothing's funny, but there seems to be a pest for everything, you know. If the bug doesn't get it, the bunny does, you know. So what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the garden fortress. Always on. I I know. You know, napalm works, but then all your vegetables are gone. (laughs) We've got another another caller on the line. So your first name in town? This is Rich from Starksboro, Joel. Hi. Hey, Rich. How are you? Hi. Good. Yes. How Um, are you? I got the... some rudimentary questions. I guess I I uh, tend to ask the rudimentary stuff, but I hope you don't mind repeated re- rudimentary oh, stuff. Um, of course not. I, uh, I have five kids. I have five kids. So I'm used to repeating myself. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, re- regarding regarding lettuce, um, I got I just got I a few questions about how many plants or seeds you put into a square. Like, uh, uh-huh. let's start with lettuce. Does two two sound okay? Um, I usually put four lettuce uh, plants oh. or four lettuce seeds in a one square foot, and that gives them a spacing of six inches. Now, okay. if you're growing a, a, a like an iceberg lettuce, which is a fairly large head, you can go you know you can go to one per square foot, but that's because you plan to let it head up and be a big head. I don't generally do yeah. that. I just I usually pick the leaves all the way around, and so I do them six inches apart or four per square foot. Okay. Well, I made a little stick that goes diagonally across, and I marked it off so that it was like uh, one, you know, ha- you know, halfway down one end and halfway down the other, and I put my mm-hmm. I put my feet finger down where that little mark is about. It's roughly eight inches yeah. uh, between the two on a diagonal. So, so I'm, so I guess a little too far apart is better than too close, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, How I, about I like tomatoes. The, uh, the tomatoes? Uh, that's one per square yeah. foot. Now, uh, one. Uh, uh, there's one. I did one last there. year. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. If it's a cherry sure. tomato, I actually go one. Uh, every I put six of them on a four foot trellis, so there are ones every every eight inches for cherry okay. tomatoes. So you put you put cherries on a trellis, but the other ones you don't put on a trellis, right? Well, I put them all on a trellis, generally speaking, some sort of a trellis. Sure. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, I grow the mostly the indeterminate of- ones. You know, so if you're if you're growing indeterminate, yep. they're going to grow five six feet high. So yeah, I put them right on a trellis. If you're growing like uh, the jet star, that's a that's a determinant, and uh, if it's you know what they call a bush tomato, um, mm-hmm. I still grow them you know one per square foot, and I put a stake in. Uh, okay. For for each one, a four foot stake for a for what they call mm-hmm. a bush tomato. Yeah. Now. Um, when you put your tomatoes on a trellis, is it the same kind of trellis that you make with the conduit? 
and the, exactly. the uh, fence yep. wire? Yep. Okay. Yep. So and then I you just, have all of your you have all of your trellises on the on the uh well let's call it the north end or the and you have yep. and you got you got twelve squares on the south In end that don't have a trellis, right? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Okay, I'm doing it like that. Okay, yeah. So, so you, basically, if you put one tomato per square, you're only getting four tomatoes per four foot by four foot bed. That, that's exact. Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, if you're okay. doing cherry tomatoes, I'll put six of them on that same four foot trellis. Okay. Yeah. Now, the way that I do peas, which is on a trellis, is mm-hmm. I. Sometimes in the early part of whatever, even I did it once, even this year, um, I'll put I'll plant the seeds right under where the where the trellis let's call it fence, right where the fence material yep. is directly under it, and yep. I'll put six per square, which gives you uh, twenty four on under the under each trellis. And yep. what yep. I've done lately is I my let's say my trellis is six inches right down dead center my squares. And then yeah. uh, I offset I offset a row three inches to the north and three inches to the south of my trellis. So I'm putting twelve seeds yeah. per square, which is uh, forty eight per per trellis. Is yeah. that is that okay too? You think? Uh, that's fine. Uh, according to the square foot garden grid, you know, it's it would be eight per square foot. So it'd be you know two, four, six, eight uh, on one. Mm-hmm. Uh, on one square foot, you know, down the middle right, of the okay. square foot. So it would be, you can put them on either side of the trellis or you can put it on one side of the trellis either way. But um, mm-hmm. I find that I actually plant more than that, uh, just like you. I, I'd probably put more like 48 um, when I'm done so that there's there's more because I find that it's it's easier to cut one out than to try to, you know, have an empty space, so. Yeah, I, I plan yeah. just like you do. Okay, so follow-up question yeah. on lettuce. It's your, your success rate of of putting lettuce seeds directly in the ground is pretty good. Oh, it's excellent, uh, particularly if you've used okay. the, the the peat moss from Nicolite and Perlite. If you've mu- used that mix, you got it. Yep. that's that's a perfect growing medium, and you know your seeds. You should have good luck, and I try to keep it to. Uh, two or three, you know, lettuce seeds per, you know, per planting, so that there'd be, you know, four plantings in the square foot, and um, you know, it, it, they're so small that you know you do have to plant pretty carefully. <laughs> so I'll, I'll put right. a little pile, a little pile. Uh, sometimes I actually take a plate out, you know, like a something that's light colored. I'll scatter the black seeds of the lettuce on there. And just sort of separate them so that there's two or three in each pile, and then then I'll swipe it up and drop it, and swipe it up and drop it. That makes it a little bit easier. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. and particularly if you're planting carrot seeds, by the 256th one, you know, it's very careful careful work, but it's well worth it. Yeah, yeah. Now, how many carrots do you put in a square? 16? 16 per square, so they're three inches yeah. apart. And same yeah. thing with the I radishes red... and if you onions for scallions, 
if you're doing the larger onions, you know, like an Alicia Craig or a Copra, then you want to keep it to, you know, four per square. So you're six inches apart. Yeah. I Last year I did red standard basic red radishes at 25 per square. And they oh, didn't wow. do so well. Yeah. So I'm doing 16 this year, hoping that's going to be better. Yep. And I did, yeah. last year I did nine, nine daikons per square. And that yeah. seemed like it got pretty crowded. What do you think? Is yeah, nine I, okay I for daikons? Four. Yeah. Yeah. The daikon, I usually four per square. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. That's yeah. what we're going to do. Because yeah. the leaves seem You'll to be crowd on off each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, did All you right, well, have a, any yes. any problem with your daikon with the, the miner, the one that, that drills into the radish and, you know, makes a little black line in there? Did you have any problems I with that? I think so. We, we're, we're, no? I'm not good at daikon radishes. I'm not good at golden beets. Or, or my garden's not good. Let's blame it on the garden, <laughs> not me. <laughs> Between me and the <laughs> okay, garden, we have, pro- we have a problem. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Well, I guess I am the well, guy. So, but that's yeah. Or my wife. I blame my I, wife. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, we like to grow the daikons for the uh, kimchi, so it's an important crop. <laughs> but, yeah. So on Rick and uh, Gary, you said you don't start playing those till July. That's right. right. July first, um, I'll start to plant that and the Chinese cabbage. They're, and I don't want them until the end of September anyway, and they're very fast growing. And the, uh, our daikon radishes planted in July will be 18 inches by the time we harvest them, the end of September. 18 inches. So they're very fast the growing. Vegetable? 18 inch root. Yeah, 18 or inch. Root. 18 inch leaves. Okay. Where no, do you no, get that 18 no, inches to go yeah. when you have a six foot high bed? <laughs> well, uh, I use my 12-inch beds for the daikon ranch. I, I don't use the six. Okay. Well, although um, I have some beds up up in my upper garden. When I first started doing the square foot gardening, I dug down two feet and filled those beds with um, you know compost and manure and and sifted all this, the rocks out. So those those beds are very good, but. I've used the the 12-inch beds, and then I'll take a, a regular old uh, fork, you know, a, a garden fork, and I'll uh, just stick it in and loosen things up. And uh, this year, I actually got myself a broad fork uh, to to stick down in there and loosen up the subsoil a little bit. So, you know, yeah. it gets a little better every year. Sure. Now I've got nine and a half inch beds with. Yeah, quarter inch hardware at the bottom. Can I still? Would that be a problem for growing yeah. eighteen inch daikon radishes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think so. Yeah, I think it might be. Yeah. But there are. Okay. Um, uh, don't shy away. There's actually two or three varieties that grow a, a half size daikon that that are okay. you know a good six uh, or seven, maybe even eight inches long, and some of, most of them are about six inches long. But they're a good fat radish, and they're very delicious. I, I've grown those too. Mm-hmm. I actually grew some by mistake, and uh, and mm-hmm. there's also another one that's a that's a red daikon radish, and that's a shorty too. That goes only goes about six inches, and it's it's very reliable. Yeah. And then you could yeah. try even if if you like that kind of radish, you can grow the watermelon radish, which is a, a red meat and a white 
out outside. And I have uh, one friend who she absolutely loves those those watermelon radishes. So you know you could mm-hmm. you could do that instead. But the yep. um, okay. the name of that radish is escapes me. It's in the daikon category though, and you you'll see it there. It's a it's a shorter version. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I thank you so ever much, Peter. I really appreciate your show and your time and patience <laughs> and your laugh. And I appreciate Joel. Well, you're running all the buttons and being there and providing the color for your for the play by play. Well, you're very welcome. You guys are great. This is what makes it fun. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Have a good weekend. Enjoy your Memorial Day. Bye bye. You too. Yep. You too. Yeah. Yep. Boy, this uh, hour has gone fast, hasn't it? (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) I said that it's very fast. Yes. I can hardly believe it. So the plans and, for next uh, week, uh, we, 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 well, you, obviously we pick up any topic that's of interest to our people, but a lot of people are, even with the colder weather today, uh, if they, uh, you know, are not worried about the overnight frost, it's uh, kind of the weekend, traditional weekend, that people get out and actually do some heavy-duty gardening. Yeah, yeah. This is the traditional uh, beginning of the of the garden season. And, uh, of course, I, I always resist that because I, I'd say by now you should have had, you know, a lot of things already in the garden. So, <laughs> but, yes, it's the traditional one for all those ones, all of the, uh, uh, all those frost, um, everything that's, that won't survive a frost like your tomatoes and all the rest. So, um, just to... To digress here, the the radish I was talking about is called an alpine. It's the daikon that's called an alpine. It's actually Korean and it's a it's it's shorter, and so that that would work. And then they have a, a couple other ones that are mini mini daikon radishes, so. and the red one is called Bravo. So we get we get a lot of a lot of uh, variety in the daikons that we can plant. So yeah, this is the this is the beginning of the the garden season, and there's there's so much to do and so much to take care of. The next big thing you want to do is start to watch for that uh, little white uh, little white moth that uh, brings the the cabbage worm with it. And uh, when you see that, that's when you want to start spraying your um, uh, you know the thergicide. Right. You know, or or the Captain Jack, one or the other. You want to spray your your cabbages, so be on the lookout for those. Okay. Okay, Peter, and uh, we'll see everybody next week in the garden. All right. Thanks, Joel. Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. In the Garden today has been brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street in Waitsfield. 
by Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm on Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway Farm and Garden right there on East Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guides Farm and Yard Stores, four locations, Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PNR Lumber, a family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need. Route 15 in Walkett. By the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. By Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Vermont Route 107 in Bethel. Give them a buzz at 234-6622. By Poly Construction, a contractor you can trust where one call does it all. Gregory Drive, South Burlington. And by Kate Farm, their plant sale is underway today. Kate Farm on Coburn Road in East Montpelier. Watch for the signs. Someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below. Till the rain comes tumbling 